0: Uh, Oh my god, John, were you up on Wikipedia all night? John, are you okay? You're you're shaking. You guys, you will not believe what I just read on Wiki. Welcome to Reddit on Wiki, the poorly researched, semi-funny podcast on random stuff we find on the internet. Who are you talking to? And why are you shaking so much? Subscribe to Reddit on Wiki on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Sean, I'm scared. Me too, buddy. Me too. It's back. It's Serial Killer September. Because if there's one thing that I really like about doing this show, it's all of the alliteration. And so, also because there's just a... A seemingly never-ending list of serial killers uh, it just makes sense to devote an entire month to serial killers. Um, I know what you're thinking. It's like, hey, um, but you do episodes about serial killers throughout the year. Why? Well, it's my show. I can do what I want. So if you don't like it, I mean, whatever. It's your choice. You're well within your right to do that. Um, but yes, we're starting serial killer September this month with the story of Gilles de Ray. It's our weird world. Our weird world. Welcome to our weird world. I'm your host, John Henson, and yeah, we are kicking off uh, the second edition of Serial Killer September. Uh, got a lot of great stories. Um, Just a little preview uh, for this month. So like I said in the open, uh, we're talking about French serial killer Gilles DeRay uh, this week. Next week, classic serial killer, uh, the story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, and then we will get to uh, Alexander Pichushkin, a Russian serial killer um, who actually took a lot of inspiration from Andrei Chikatilo, which we covered last year. Uh, and then we'll finish Serial Killer September, probably with my favorite serial killer of all time, uh, Nikolai Zumagalev, Uh Lesser known, kind of obscure, but just an insane story, uh, just about his murders and his life in general. So uh, can't wait to get to that one at the end of the month. But for now, let's talk about Gilles de Ray. Apparently, my cat, is not interested in today's episode because, uh, he just got up and walked out. So I think he's just over my shenanigans at this point, but maybe you're still interested. I hope, I don't know why I'm still doing this. Um, Gilles Duray was born in 1405 to a wealthy family in the Anjou province of France. And, Unfortunately, both of his parents died when he was 10 years old, and so Gilles and his younger brother were placed in the care of his grandmother, who then immediately tried to arrange a marriage between Gilles and a four-year-old heiress in Normandy, because look, guys, if there's one thing every 10-year-old boy wants, it's definitely a four-year-old girl. Um, that's that's weird and gross, All right, Like, I, you know, maybe some of you have kids, I know, uh, I remember back when I was 10 years old, but... Uh, I don't know. It's just odd that thinking about how back, you know, six hundred some years ago, kids that age were just getting married, and I, I think there was at least some cultural standard at the time that, like, you know, even though you were married, like we all know, you can't you can't do it yet. So at least <laughs> at least there wasn't like a ten year old trying to have sex with a four year old. That's just a, a horrifying thing to think about. Just. Not from like, not from like a pedophilia standard. I know we're kind of like treading on thin ice here, but hear me out. But just, just two kids, just kind of. <laughs> it's like, like their parents put them to bed. Like, wow, oh, Jilly, that was just such a great little wedding you had today. You and your little bride were just so cute. Um, I'm gonna leave you two in here now. You know what to do next. So. I'm going to leave you to it. Just go ahead and consummate. And then you just have two kids just sitting each sitting in a bed staring at each other. Like they don't even like each other, you know, because it's like you have the 10-year-old kid who thinks, you know, he's pretty cool. And he's in a room with a four-year-old. Four-year-olds can't even form complete sentences yet. I don't think they can anyway. I don't know. I don't know how younger children work, but you just they're just sitting there staring at each other. Ten-year-old just kind of wants to play video games. The four-year-old is just banging some toys together and being annoying. Little four-year-old, you know, probably still—I don't know—are four-year-olds potty trained? I think so. I, they probably are. Most of them probably are. But just, <laughs> and then just and they're like, "Well, what are we supposed to do?" I, I, I don't know. And then it's just like and then. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to stop before I go down a really uncomfortable uh, path, but you get what I'm trying to say. Um, obviously, uh, or unfortunately, however, that arranged marriage did not work out, and so uh, Gilles' mother then tried to arrange a marriage with the niece of the Duke of Brittany, but that didn't work either. Um, I don't, for whatever reason, Jill was just kind of unwanted. Um, maybe it was one of those situations where the grandmother was just just trying anything to, to make it work, um, you know, I don't, I mean, he, he did come from a wealthy family, so maybe they had some influence, but it, I mean, clearly just no one was interested in this kid. But uh, finally, in 1420, when he was 15 years old, uh, he was married to the heiress of uh, the Poitou region. I think that's how you say it, Poitou, 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 anyway, anyway. Um, Gilles was a smart kid, and like all European kids in the Middle Ages, he spent most of his adult life at war. He fought alongside Joan of Arc in the Hundred Years' War, which is a fun little historical connection there, uh, and he was made a Marshal of France after bringing the Holy Ampula, a which is really just a fancy glass full of oil, uh, but he brought that for the consecration of Charles VII as King of France. But Gilles eventually grew tired of all the fighting and used the wealth that he had accumulated, uh, wealth that he had accumulated from his inheritance and arranged marriages to live the life that he truly wanted. Um, you know, he, you know, obviously his wealthy parents died. He had inherited their their estate. He married uh, a wealthy heiress, got her stuff, and so he is just living the high life as much as you can in 1400s France. Um, in 1434, Gilles constructed the Chapel of the Holy Innocents, where he officiated services in robes that he designed himself. Uh, he even produced a play called mm-hmm. Le Mystère du Siege Orleans*. Uh, that's a bad French accent, that required over 600 participants to perform. All right. Um, here's at this point in Gilles' life, he is a weird dude. All right. He is one of those theater kids but he's the kind of theater kid where theater is his entire life right and look i've met some theater kids most theater kids pretty cool um, i i like i dump on theater and and local theater especially all the time but it's just it's jokes um, but he's designing all of his own costumes he's constructing these stages and he's he's requiring like 600 people to perform this play which in 1400s, like you didn't need that many people to perform a play. Um, the entire production of this was just a complete waste, and not just because local theater was is a dumb idea. Hey, here we go, jokes again. Um, but Gilles created 600 different costumes for the production, which were only worn once and discarded for fresh costumes for each subsequent performance. All right, so look, think about like even if this show just runs for a week, for seven days. Each individual performer is being given a custom costume that they are only to wear once, and it's discarded. That's 4,200 costumes, I think, if my math is right, for this single play each night. It's insane. Uh, Each production was also accompanied with an all-you-can-eat-and-drink buffet, and all of this cost was covered by Gilles. Uh, Unfortunately, obviously, no one cared about his dumb little plays, Um, and a year later, he had sold all most of his properties to fund the production, but was still bordering on bankruptcy. Uh, friends and family who were concerned with his exorbitant spending lobbied the Pope to denounce support for the chapel where the plays were taking place. Uh, the Pope, who also apparently didn't care about local theater, denied the request. Um and so His friends and family, Gilles' friends and family, then went to the king, who on July 2nd, 1435, issued a royal edict denouncing Gilles and forbidding him to sell any more of his property to fund his plays. Anyone loyal to the king was then forbidden to do business with Gilles, and Gilles eventually was forced to leave town with zero credit, um, no money, and just no way to continue living this weird lifestyle that he had kind of created for himself. Well, in 1438, uh, Gilles began looking for people who knew alchemy and how to summon demons because, I mean, at this point, he's run out of things to do. Like, he can't do theater. No one really likes him. So, well, why not let's summon a demon? Who cares? Um, he began poring over every magical book he could find and taking classes from a man named Prilati in Florence, Italy. Um, at the end of his education, Gilles attempted to summon a demon named Baron by writing a contract to share a portion of the riches that uh, Gilles was to receive at a later date in exchange for worldwide adoration for his dumb plays, or maybe something likely as pointless. I mean, so Gilles pretty desperate. He is prepared to essentially make a deal with the devil for worldwide fame to be seen as like better than Shakespeare at this point um not surprisingly though this demon baron never appeared um and after <laughs> three unsuccessful summonings uh jill became frustrated and demanded answers from this perlati fella who was like hey i'm gonna teach you how to summon a demon and then she was like no you did not teach me how to summon a demon i don't know why he's i don't know why he was sylvester salone but he was um uh, Prelati told Gilles that Baron, this demon was angry and needed a child sacrifice in order to appear. And so at that point, Jill had a very rational thought. He just cut his losses and left knowing that he'd kind of gotten into this weird child murdering cult and just wanted nothing more to do with it. Um, just kidding. Huh. No, if anything, uh, Gilles could not believe his good fortune because at this point in time, he had actually been murdering children for the last six years. Um, we actually go back to 1432, when he's actually still performing these plays, um, when he murdered a group of children in his castle, and then to make things worse, this is where, you know, just that hard left turn into serial killer world, uh, he had actually sodomized and murdered at least 40 more kids in the town of Mach- 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 Cool. probably not Mach- Cool, but that's how I'm going to say it. Um, and Jill's murdering method was pretty simple. He would find a poor peasant boy and just dress him up in his extravagant, you know, Jill's extravagant robes. Uh, the two would then enjoy a large meal and then Jill would kind of pull a little Bill Cosby situation where, uh, he'd get the boy drunk, drug him, whatever. And after the boy was incapacitated, Jill would just take him up to a private room. And from there, uh, the boy would be suspended by ropes wrapped around a hook while Jill slapped While Jill just slapped his wiener on the boy's stomach and thighs. I don't know why that's, I mean, it's weird. It's so weird. Um, when Jill was done, uh, his cousin or another servant would take the boy down and kill him. Um, this was either done by decapitation, slitting the boy's throat, dismembering the body, or just beating him to death with a stick. Uh, sometimes, uh, Jill chose to continue abusing the boys even after they were dead. Uh, other times he kissed them and then held up various limbs that he deemed attractive uh, he had the bodies cut open so he could mi- admire their intestines, which is, uh, it's odd. Um, the bodies were then tossed in the fireplace and the ashes were then dumped in a pit or the castle moat. What? I, right. That's gross. Yeah, I agree. So gross. Kitty is back, by the way, if you couldn't hear that, um, in 1440, uh, Gilles got into a dispute with a priest at the church of St. Etienne de Mermorte, and but rather than go about his business, Gilles felt that it was perfectly acceptable to kidnap the priest because, I mean, Gilles is like the big-time theater dude, and, well, not anymore, it's 1440, he's been run out of town, but he still thinks pretty highly of himself, um, When the priest was finally reported missing, the Bishop of Nantes uh, launched an investigation into the kidnapping, which ultimately revealed all of the child murder that Gilles had been committing over the last eight years. After a brief trial in which Gilles and his two accomplices readily confessed to everything that had been happening, uh, the trio was sentenced to death by hanging and burning. Uh, Just before his execution, Jill addressed the crowd that had gathered and expressed remorse for his actions. Uh, He then told his accomplices to quote, die bravely and think only of salvation because uh, as you guys know, Christian rules, uh, main or say that you can be the worst person on the planet, but you can still get saved at the last second and go to heaven. That's just the rules. Jesus made them. I'm don't, you know, that's, that's what they think. Um, (laughs) On 11 a.m. on October 26th, 1440, uh, Gilles was strapped to a noose and then set on fire. Uh, unfortunately, no one knows how many children Gilles actually killed. The numbers generally range between 80 and 200, um, basically because all of the victims were disposed of and the worst accounts were actually erased from historical record for being way too gory, which is pretty insane if you think about like how we know that he... Dismembered boys admired their limbs, gutted them, admired their intestines. Like to think that he did things that were way worse than that. Like that were so bad that French authorities were just like, "Ah, oh, we're just gonna pretend this didn't happen. We're gonna erase it from history because if we erase it from history, it never happened." Right? Come on, we're crazy. Um, so that's why there's there's no definitive total, but you know, between eighty and two hundred, uh, that would be a lot, regardless. And so that is the end of today's story Uh, update on the kitty situation Uh, he is back and apparently feels sorry for walking out at the beginning Uh, kitty do you want to say anything into the microphone yeah yeah, cool. All right. Um, anyway, <laughs> so stupid. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, first week of Serial Killer September in the books. Let's see what we learned today. What did we learn? Uh, number one, uh, look. I mean, you can be into theater, totally cool. Not for me personally, but you know, be reasonable about it, all right? Don't make six hundred people join your play. You can probably do it with a f- smaller fraction of that. Um, also, reuse and recycle, man. Let's be environmentally friendly with our with our plays. Uh, reuse the uniforms and the costumes. All right, it's totally fine if. Uh, the people wear the same costume for the entire duration of the production, especially when you probably only have like 10 people showing up to your play anyway. Um, I'm just going like, I don't know why I specifically target the people that I target. I just like, it's people from South Carolina. It's theater kids. It's, I don't know why, but I I just, I have fun going so hard on them for not a, not a huge reason why it's just fun for me. Um, Number two, uh, Gilles Deray man killed anywhere from 80 to 200 people. Um, and we'll never know exactly how many, uh, because it, the things that he did to those boys, um, was so bad that French authorities decided to uh, erase him from history as best as they could. Uh, and number three, ah, whatever, there's no number three. That was basically it as that's kind of the two main points of today's story um so yeah yeah that's that's it <laughs> Next week on Our Weird World, like I mentioned uh, up at the start, uh, week number two of Serial Killer September uh, is a classic story of Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, cannibal, creepy guy, uh, fan of the aviator style glasses, which I do not understand why those are still in style today since that was like the signature serial killer look. Uh, But whatever, you know, if you want to go around looking like a creep with your aviator glasses, like aviator sunglasses, cool. Aviator, like regular glasses, weird. You're really creepy if that's what you choose to wear. And I still see it around. I see it in the, where I, where my eye doctor is. They have those frames still. Why? Why? Why would you choose to look like that willingly? Like I get it in the eighties in the seventies when that was just the style for some reason. But today Given the history and the kind of people who wore them, I don't know why you would choose to wear those things. But whatever. Maybe you just enjoy looking like a, a creep. But that's, that's, that's your choice. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Tell all your friends and keep it weird.